Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Welcome to Real Presence Live. I'm your host, Mark Holcraft. I'm filling in for Matt Welcome and Father Jason Kern. All things beautiful. That's what we heard. And that's what I feel like today's show is. It's all things beautiful. Today, we're going to have a, a snapshot of really instances and pictures of the domestic family we have in our guests. We have Susie Andres, who is with us, and we'll get going with her in, in just a minute. Uh, Susie, uh, author of a book, Being Catholic, What Every Catholic Should Know, is calling in for us from California. Uh, and then later on in the show, we'll be hearing also from Bill and Nancy Banzuk, uh, they have started an apostolate in a ministry uh, called Catholic Sprouts, and we'll hear from them a little later in the show, around 9.30. And uh, later on in Real Presence Live, the curious case of the priest who wasn't baptized. And we'll hear about that from Jenna Cooper, and that'll be around 10.15, 10.20. Uh, so stick with us this morning as we enter into this morning's show. Uh, welcome, Susie Andres. Are you there? I'm here. It's a delight. Thanks for having me, Mark. Susie, am I saying your last name right? Is it Andres, Andres? How, how do we pronounce that? <laughs> one part of the family says Andres, and one part says Andres. <laughs> okay. So, so if your family's still working on it, then I can say a few things. We, we, we got options. Exactly. That's awesome. I, I, my last name is Holcraft. I hear Holcroft, aircraft, halfcraft. Uh, we, we got versatility. Oh my <laughs> So, yeah, exactly. Well, Susie, thanks for being with us this morning. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a Catholic wife and mother living in Southern California. I met my husband when we were um, students at Thomas Aquinas College out here, and we went on to study together with Dr. Ralph McInerney at um, the University of Notre Dame, where we had our first son. Sure. We were hoping to have a large family, and God played a great trick on us where we have a large family in time because that first son came, and then we went out to Virginia where my husband taught at Christendom College for many years. And then while we were out there, it was 12 years after our first son was born, we had our second son, Dominic, and then eventually moved back to California where my husband now teaches at Thomas Aquinas College. And after years of homeschooling, and I started writing books because I wanted to write about our experience homeschooling with something we called Catholic unschooling, we, um, we were out here in California. Our older son went to Thomas Aquinas um, because he was really excited by the discussion methods there and wanted to try that education. And then he's off in Denver now, happily doing all kinds of interesting things, and our younger son just went um, started college this year now at Thomas Aquinas. Awesome. So, so meanwhile, you, you I, have the two kids, yeah. is that right? That's right. That's and right, the two boys. Twelve years apart. Yes. That's, yes, uh, yes, I, yes. Excellent. And I, I, yes. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You, you were rolling. Keep going. No, not at all. I was just going to say I love to write, so I have several books and a blog, and um, 
and that that keeps me fairly busy along with the boys and my husband and life in college communities. So, yeah, very grateful for everything. That's awesome. I mean, you, you're seeing some, uh, I guess, different ends of the spectrum when it, 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 with the, the Catholic colleges between you. And so did you say you started off at St. Thomas Aquinas, that's where you met your husband, and then did you go on to continue to study at Notre Dame, or was your husband studying or started to teach? Yeah. What led to that transition yes, to Notre Dame? There. Um, well, we wanted to go on and study more philosophy, and when we both got accepted to the graduate school program there, we went there, and, you know, it was interesting because <laughs> we went, it was so much fun to go to the football games and do all the big oh, university sure. things. Yeah, yeah um, you can say Notre Dame time, culture. It really... Yeah, yeah. It, it, it really confirmed in us our appreciation for a small, authentically Catholic liberal arts college. Oh, sure. Notre Dame has a lot of good Catholic people there, but I wouldn't recommend sending kids there for undergraduate because it's possible for them to get lost. And I and yeah. I think that to go somewhere where you know the whole <laughs> the whole team, as it were, yeah, is on yeah. board with Catholic project. Um, is so vivifying. I mean, that changed my life and um, the fact that I was getting positive peer pressure. You know, most parents send their kids off to college and pray and hope that they'll stay Catholic, and they often don't. But when you send them to one of these smaller schools, they and not just simply a smaller school, but a smaller, very Catholic school, um, Thomas Aquinas, Christendom, Wyoming... Francisca and Thomas More. I mean, they're just fantastic because the peer pressure is positive. So that's where I became Catholic. I mean, I was cradle Catholic, but that's where I really learned to love myself. Absolutely. I mean, you could say that's where you have that conversion, sometimes reversion. You know, conversion, not exactly. just not just a change in faith per se, like, you know, literally a change in religion, but conversion, a change of heart, right? And just uh, to go yeah. deeper, experience that relationship. I, you know, I've been to Thomas Aquinas. Uh, not as a student, just visiting. I've been to Notre Dame, uh, the campus. Again, not as a student, just to visit. It, just huge. They're huge. That's a huge yeah. campus. Yeah. And then you, <laughs> yeah. you go to uh, Christendom again. Uh, small campus, all beautiful places. Um, but you said yeah. something. I think briefly. I think you just quickly said the word culture uh, in there. And speaking yeah. of culture, I, w- I would like to come back to your book because. Uh, that's really, I think, if I understood right, what you wanted to get at, being Catholic, what every Catholic should know. Uh, what what inspired that for you? What did, did you see something that you thought, I think, I think we just need to see this? Because there's a few different books that, along that line of you know, what every Catholic should know. Um, so can you tell yeah. us more about what inspired this? Yes, definitely. Um, The book is part of a series that's put out by the Augustine Institute in Denver. And if your your listeners aren't aware of Augustine Institute, I recommend they look it up. It's a fantastic place. They have all kinds of projects going. Um, Primarily, it's um, a place where a person can get a master's in theology. But they also produce fantastic um, videos. The fellow who did... Adventures in Odyssey on the radio for Focus on the Family, he became Catholic and has made at least three audio dramas of St. Cecilia, St. Francis, 
and St. Patrick's that are wonderful that the Destiny wow. produced. Yeah, our so, kids really enjoyed so, yeah. uh, Adventures in Odyssey. So I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. The gentleman who the, the wrote those, yeah. <laughs> There's yes. so much. Yes, There's so much. Half hour is not going to be enough time here, Susan. I know. I'm sorry. Let me get to the butcher. So, so um, Joseph Pierce is <clears throat> a fantastic Catholic writer. I'm sure many of your listeners know. He um, has written a lot on literary converts. He's working with Augustine Institute and um, producing this, uh, publishing, helping publish this series, editing this series, What Every Catholic Should Know. So they have these fantastic teachers and brilliant scholars who've written what every Catholic should know on salvation, yeah. on God, on mercy. Well, one of the fellows at Augustine Institute, Christopher Bloom, um, we have known each other for years. He's a wonderful man. And he had the idea one day while he was at Mass there, realizing a lot of people behind him are Catholic. Um, I, mean, I mean, people in Mass are Catholic. A lot of them are converts. And it occurred to him, you know, the priest came in and for some reason, the tabernacle and took out the blessed sacrament or, or checked something. And and my friend Chris knelt down, and he was in the front, and he thought, I wonder if anyone behind me knows it's a good idea to kneel down when the priest goes to open the tabernacle outside of Mass. And it occurred to him all of the many things he had learned about Catholic customs and culture and tradition beyond what you might learn in the Catechism. And he thought, we need a book in this series about whatever Catholic should know, that's just about being Catholic. Yeah. Something broader, more general. And um, I, it was really a great honor that he thought of me, because he knows my writing, and he knows that I'm conversational in my writing, and he thought, you don't want this to be a boring book, you don't want it to just list a lot of things. And he called and asked if I would consider writing about all these different things that we both rejoiced in as we were, you know, happy to, as you say, you know, kind of embrace our culture of being Catholic. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I, I prayed about it and talked to my husband and said, yes, I would love to write it. And he said the book will be co-published by Ignatius Press, because that was a fun kind of dream come true to have a book also with Ignatius. Um, and I just had a blast because, as, as you can tell, I have no trouble talking yeah. and but <laughs> that's great the challenge was going to be how to keep this 50,000 words like about the size of a small novel you know uh small is the key word short yeah. and yeah. so I just tried to make it a fun romp through all these things Susie I, I hear my kids through. I hear my kids uh if they were part of this conversation and they just heard you say a small writing of 50,000 words, <laughs> what? <laughs> 50,000 small. Um, but I can imagine when you get going, you know, and, and what, what better place to begin for a book? Exactly. This is key for a book. Uh, but what better place to begin to kind of uh, explore Catholic culture than the mass, than the liturgy, you know, and that's what I hear yeah. you say, you know, from uh, Professor Bloom speaking to, just kind of acknowledging the people behind him, being surrounded by a lot of people who maybe sound like they were, they were converts or just coming to the faith or exploring the faith. And so, like you mentioned, just the different pieces within Mass. I wonder if they know these things, not necessarily explored in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, like you said, but the the kind of rituals within Mass. Absolutely. I yeah. when I was a youth minister, I was in youth ministry for about twenty years. And a lot of times, the students are bringing their friends, 
you know, or families bringing their family friends. Yeah. You, but you really saw in youth yeah. ministry, you know, these teenagers who are not Catholic looking at you like, what what are you doing? Or talking to their friend, whispering, you know, and it seems like they're being rude, but they're not. The teenager's actually evangelizing their friend. <laughs> you know, like, right. what are you doing? Wonderful. So, yeah. no, I, uh, I resonate with what you're saying. That's so good. Um, yes. And, and you mentioned, uh, I think our listeners do have a familiarity with Augustine Institute. Actually, uh, for some, a little more familiar than others, I think uh, Bishop Aquila, the current bishop, for the Diocese uh, of Denver, uh, used to be the bishop in Fargo. So there's kind of a, a place in the heart of Fargo for Bishop Aquila. And I think it was uh, Archbishop Chaput, so I should say Archbishop Aquila. Archbishop Chaput was there, I think, when the Augustine Institute, he helped get that rolling to get it uh, started. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and they're one of, you, you could say, I think in our current time, one of the leading uh, institutes that are really fostering uh, evangelization and I, what I would say John Paul II's vision, the, the new evangelization, the Augustine yeah. Institute, they're doing great work. They uh, are doing great work. Oh, yeah. So, Susie, you, you're surrounding yourself with some great people here. <laughs> great company, great <laughs> community. <laughs> you know, but, but there's something to be said about that, huh? Like, who are you surrounding yourself around? Um, and I realize that's, that could be a tangent that we take off on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, uh, we're, we're going to come to a break here pretty soon. Uh, but when we come back, what I'd love to explore with you, Susie, um, some of the particulars, you know, why is it important from your perspective for Catholics to know about the layout of the church, the different rites and things like that? You already, you already gave us a hint, but I'd love to explore more of that with yeah. you. What are some of the traditions Definitely. and practices in the Catholic church that you think are in danger of being forgotten? You know what? What might be forgotten uh, that you might explore in this? So we'd love to hear more about that. But for now, tell us a little bit more before we come to that. Tell us a little bit more. How did you get back to California? So you're, you're Thomas Aquinas, which was in California. Then yeah. you went to Notre Dame, then Christendom. And now you're back in California with your yeah. husband. Well, we were in, um, we were at Christendom and it was such a beautiful place, such great people. And the education is so good that it really kept us there for a long time, while in a way our hearts were tugged back to California. I'm originally from here, but in a way, um, the education, the it's wonderful because these two colleges, Christendom and, and TAC, Thomas Aquinas College, are very similar in their size and in their devotion to the Church and to Catholic liberal education, but they approach it in quite different ways. And my husband was excited to now come back to teaching in a more seminar style. That's excellent. Yeah, I, I could hear our listeners uh, wondering, okay, our listeners, Northern Midwest, what sent you back to California? And I know I hear that. We'll explore more of that uh, after our break. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited weather. to hear. Yeah. Oh, amen to that. We'll explore more about California's weather. No, uh, it was Susie. We're with Susie Andres, and we'll come back to her in the uh, book, Being Catholic, What Every Catholic Should Know. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Honor your Father by word and deed, that a blessing from Him may come upon you. Sirach 3.8 
our priests guide us on the right path and teach us about our Catholic faith. At Real Presence Radio, we'd like to honor them for helping to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Each week on Real Presence Live, we honor our fathers with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. You can nominate your priest to receive special recognition by going to yourcatholicradiostation.com. And thank you to all our priests for your service to the Holy Catholic Church. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. Have you forgiven those who have hurt you, especially those who abandoned or left you after taking their own life? I'm Father Chris Alar. Jesus says that you can only be forgiven by God if you forgive others. It is one of the most important things you can ever do. For if you don't, you are jeopardizing your own salvation. When you refuse to forgive someone, you are not hurting them. You are only hurting yourself. Forgiveness is a critical part of the healing process, which includes forgiving yourself. Also, forgiveness may not be nearly as difficult as you think. So join us and learn how to forgive, and God can fully forgive you through His love and mercy. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Again, this is Mark Holcraft. I'm filling in for Matt Wilcom and Father Jason Kern. Uh, this is kind of fun for me. Uh, so I'm the new executive director for Real Presence Radio, and I've loved it. Been here for two months. and uh, But one of the things I don't get to do very often is to host. And so when I was talking with Therese, uh, preparing for this... Um, I think she was worried. No, she was good. <laughs> she was good. Uh, and we were preparing for this once we heard that uh, Matt and Father Jason just weren't able to this morning. So we have with us Susie Endress. And over the break, she and I were just talking kind of family story. And uh, I've shared with, with you, our listeners, a little bit about my, about my background uh, that prior to coming to Real Presence Radio, I was working with NET Ministries. I was a regional director for NET and the Eastern time zone, Cincinnati. It's kind of funny because there's this whole identity crisis. Is Cincinnati in the East East Coast or is it Midwest? Totally feels Midwest. Um, and I think maybe, Susie, you might have saw some of that at Notre Dame. There's this whole, like, yes. it's just this clash of, yes. of, I don't know what kind of culture, time zone culture. <laughs> I don't know what to what you call that. Well, one of the, yeah, one of the funny things about Notre Dame is that that little enclave right there does not change time. So... We have family. My husband's from the East Coast. I'm from the West Coast. So we had to figure out where, <laughs> what the time zones were, were everywhere when we didn't change, which was kind of funny. It, it's true. It's true. Uh, 
So we're with Susie. Susie is author of a book, Being Catholic, What Every Catholic Should Know. And it's part of a series that's put out by Augustine Institute. Uh, we want to we hear, Susie, um, from your perspective, why is it important for Catholics to know about the layout of the church, the different rites and things like that? And of course, I'm giving, <laughs> giving a little sneak peek of what's in the book, but please share with us. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, what was moving, what, what was inspiring you on in that? Well, as I thought about writing the book and figuring out how I could convey everything um, fairly quickly and the huge breadth of the faith, I, I tell in the beginning that this is just one of the books you'll want to have when you're Catholic. <laughs> you want to have a catechism. You want to have the Code of Canon Law. You want to have the Bible. You want to um, have a library. <laughs> exactly. You want to have a lot more than that. But when I decided to start with where... Um, with the Church itself, I wanted to make a distinction in the beginning between the Church with the capital C, the Church with the small c, meaning the Catholic Church as our home, the whole Catholic Church, and then an individual Catholic Church with a small c that we enter to go to Holy Mass or to make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament. And especially in this time of COVID, it's become more obvious how precious our churches are, and yet how easy it would be for people to forget that part of their lives because if they're not allowed to go to the church. So I'm very grateful the churches have been opening up again, and it's really time for us all to appreciate what's there. This is our heritage. Um, it would be very strange if you didn't know your own house. If you went... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I were staying yeah. with my brother recently. Great analogy. It's a very fun kitchen where everything, all the appliances are covered with the same decor that covers. So you have to know, like, it took me forever to find where the garbage was, you know, where the fridge was, right. strangely enough. But that would be a strange thing. And as a Catholic, it makes sense to know God's house, because that's our house, too. Um, not just where to sit, but what things are for. And um, I would say that just from the very beginning, you walk into a church, and right now, it's um, a sacrifice. We don't have the holy water, but first you would dip your fingers in the holy water and bless yourself. Most Catholics don't know that's a sacramental that wipes away all your venial sin. When you when you, it's like a tiny little baptism, a little bath right when you go yes. in to get yourself ready. And then I know for me, when I became excited about my Catholic faith, the most thrilling thing was to find out that Jesus was truly present in the blessed sacrament, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And then I wanted to know where the tabernacle was. When I entered a church, I wanted to locate it, and I recommended the book to look for the sanctuary lamp with that little red light. Um, and there's, there's Jesus. I want to say hi to him when I come in. Um, that was why I started with, with the layout of the church itself, but realizing that six of the seven sacraments, except for the anointing of the six, of the, of the six most of the sacraments, almost all the sacraments, are experienced in the Church, and so walking through the sacraments. And then walking through the Mass, um, there's been, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's been a huge resurgence of love and interest in the original, um, what we now call the extraordinary form of the Mass, the Tridentine or traditional yeah. Mass. Yeah, there's definitely a, and, a heightened interest in it. Um, I mean, yeah. it's 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 beautiful. There's such a beauty you can't you can't deny the beauty, and I think part of that beauty stems from uh, there's such a depth of reverence that's occurring. Yeah. So please continue. Yes. 
So I do talk in the book about both forms of the Mass and how it's important to me. I wanted to love both forms because our Mother of the Church gives us both forms, so we know they're both precious gifts. Um, and the similarities are the what was most striking to me, but also just making, again, those who are new to the Church comfortable with that, and those who have been lifelong Catholics, I'm sure will learn many things about um the Mass itself. And, you know, uh, you mentioned rites of the Church. That was something I learned more about while while reading the book. But my father is from Lebanon, and so he is a was originally a Maronite rite Catholic. Okay, sure. Most, yeah, there's a huge—there was a division in about the year 1000 um, where many of the Eastern um, churches with a small C refused to give obedience to the Holy mm-hmm. Father. And so— so with that split, um, the Pope John Paul II had more recently said the Church needs to breathe with both lungs, and we need to appreciate the beauty of the Eastern Church and bring that reunion about. But some of that reunion has already occurred. There are 23 um, individual rites that are part of the Catholic Church besides the Roman or Latin rite that we're familiar with. Ukrainian rite, Maronite rite. Byzantine covers a lot of different rights, Ruthenian rights, and so I go through those in one of the chapters of the book. Um, but it's just again knowing your relatives, like who who is part of the Catholic Church. So, this, <laughs> Susie, I, yeah. I I I want to laugh because like okay, we've been talking and you've been sharing about it, and that's just one chapter. Now we know why it's it's yes, it was limited right. to fifty thousand <laughs> words. No, I uh, as you were talking, one of the visual. I'm a pretty visual person. And uh, I think back to when I served as uh, a missionary, one of the just absolute blessings that I got to experience is I got to go into several churches. And some of the retreats that we did for these churches were with, uh, was in a Byzantine rite, uh, Byzantine rite mm-hmm. church. Um, you got to experience uh, a, a, a liturgy there. And it, it was so different than what I had grown used to, just in, in the Roman Latin rite, or just the Latin rite. You know, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was beautiful. Uh, the first time I experienced uh, a mass, not only just in uh, mostly uh, Latin, you know, but even yeah. when I did some missionary work in Canada, I got to experience mass in French. Uh, in California, you experience a bilingual mass as often, or just a Spanish mass in the Southwest, yeah. and you experience certainly the universality. Uh, and to be honest, I don't want to water down what I mean by universality, but you really do engage Jesus Christ in the Mass, in in the liturgy, in, in a way that, well, I think you said, John Paul, too, earlier, too, uh, how, how, what was the quote? I don't want to ruin your quote with what he said yes. regarding no, the, no, the no. deep breath. Yes, that we want the church to breathe with both lungs. Breathe with both yes. lungs, thank yes. you. Yes. Um, but to see that visually and to see the beauty in these churches and to see what the Holy Spirit is doing to engage literally in this true sense, uh, culture, modern and, and, you know, ever ancient, ever new. Right. Um, yes, exactly. Susie, what are some traditions and practices in the church that you think are in danger of being forgotten? I'm curious to hear what are you experiencing there? Yes. I think that, um, one of the first things, would be, again, getting back to the church building, the sacredness of the church, silence in church. 
um, facing forward, one of my one of my friends who is um, a cradle Catholic read the book and mentioned that she thinks of me now when she's in mass about facing forward. Because except at a wedding, when the bride comes in, where she represents the Church approaching Christ, or at a funeral when the casket bearing the physical remains of the Christian comes in, because our treasure is at the front of the sanctuary, except in those cases we don't usually turn around. Um, strangely, the biggest thing in danger of being forgotten is that Jesus dwells in the tabernacle and the consecrated host kept there after Mass, and that He is the one that we're receiving at communion. And then there are many other smaller things, too, um, but within this knowledge, without this knowledge that Christ is in the Blessed Sacrament, I think we've lost the center of our faith. So that's one of the big things. And I would say, too, marriage, just the meaning of marriage, the purpose of marriage, that it's between a man and a woman, that we raise children lovingly for God and help each other all get to heaven. Um, I touch on that, and also what's going on with annulment, that it's not Catholic divorce, that it's stating that a marriage never was. Um, and I would I would hope, I think this is going to be a great book to give to priests or um, converts or even at baptisms to give to the parents. It, it sounds like it's a great tool, a great tool. Um, Susie, for anybody who would want to order the book, or how would they find it? Yes, they can find it through Ignatius Press. They can find it at Amazon.com. They can find it at um, Augustine Institute, or if they have a Catholic store that they like to um, purchase from, I'm sure they would be able to get it easily. And if if they wanted to hear more from you, I understand you have a, do you have a blog of sorts? I do. I write about Servant of God Marcel Vian, who's a little Vietnamese saint in the making who lived in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. He was a good friend um, spiritually with St. Therese, the little flower. So I write a lot about St. Therese and have a book on her out this year, Something New with St. Therese. And they can find me at susieandres.com. Susie, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, it was great to hear your stories. Uh, thank you for the book and just taking time with us. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I did jump online. I looked at Amazon.com uh, to, to check it out. Uh, so good to have you. Up next, do you need a helping hand in the work of evangelizing your children? Do you struggle to teach your kids the faith in the midst of the craziness of life? Be sure to check out our next conversation on Real Presence Radio with Bill and Nancy Banzook. They'll be with us in just a minute. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 